The scripture today is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the word of the Lord. It was my last semester at, in college, and I seemed to um, get sick, and then um, it would go away once I would go to the doctor and receive antibiotics, and then within three weeks or so, the symptoms would come back. And the symptoms were um, swollen lymph nodes in my neck and fatigue constantly. So I would go back to the doctor, and he would prescribe medicine. And I would take it, and it would last for about two or three weeks, and then I would, I would have to go back and see him again. And this kept going on and kept going on. Finally, it's June, and I've graduated college in May, and I'm on vacation. Um, and they, I get a call from the doctor's office because before I went on vacation, they did some blood work just to see what was going on. And I get a call on a Friday, and they said, um, the doctor's nurse said, can you come into the office? We need to see you immediately. I said, well, I, I'm, I'm about four or five hours away. I don't know if I can do that. And she said, well, can you come in anyway? And I was like, okay. I, I don't know that I can. And she said, when will you be back? And this was Friday. And I said, I'll be back on Monday afternoon. And she said, well, make sure you get back before we close on Monday. Uh, something's wrong with your liver. And I go the rest of the weekend and kind of worry a little bit until I go into the doctor on Monday. And he looks at me and he says, um, we need to do some tests immediately. Um, and there's multiple things that could be going on, but we need to know based on your symptoms, uh, we're going to test you for hepatitis and HIV. And when I heard those words, you know, I was obviously in shock. Just, just hearing the fact that maybe there's a possibility that I could have a life-altering disease threw me into a whirlwind. I had to hold back tears sitting there in the doctor's office because I'm a guy and I'm not supposed to do that. So I get in my car and I go on my way home, and when I do, I just lose it. Because I'm sitting there thinking, you know, is, 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 is this real? I mean, I'm 20, I think I was 23, 24 years old. Is this, is this real? I mean, I work out six days a week. I play basketball five. I, I eat healthy. I do all these things. Can this really be me? Is this really what's going on? So I tried to suppress those feelings and try to tell myself, you know what, it's okay. It's okay. But you know, the problem is when you hear news like that, telling yourself it's okay doesn't work. When you hear news that is life-altering, telling yourself, you know what, I'll just think about it tomorrow, doesn't work. Maybe some of you have experienced suffering. Maybe you've heard the word cancer. And maybe, maybe when your doctor looked at you and said cancer, 
your mind just all of a sudden goes blank and you're, you can't think of anything else. Saying, you know what, it, 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 it could be, a, it, it, maybe it's not as bad as I, as I think it is. Those, those self-talk things don't work. Maybe it was your um, spouse or former spouse looked at you and said, I want out. And at that moment, you can't just tell yourself, hey, I'll think about that tomorrow. No, because that emotional anguish that you feel right then cannot be suppressed. Maybe when you go into work and your workplace is, is horrible and you try to, for your light to shine, the light of Christ inside of you shine at your work and you just get berated for it and you hate going in every single day. You worry and are full of anxiety constantly. You can't just push those things aside. This morning we're going to look at a passage from the Apostle Paul that he wrote to the Corinthians. And we're going to see what he says about our suffering. We have three truths this morning. And like Dave was saying earlier, we can't just know these and, and hear these in our mind, what we're going to look at this morning. These have to go from our mind all the way into our hearts so that when something happens and we hear news that was, that was unexplainable, we hear news that we just can't accept, what we already know about God and who he is flows out of us. That's what we're going to see this morning. Your first truth this morning is your suffering is only for a moment. Your suffering is only for a moment. To understand this fully and why this matters, we've got to know who wrote it. The Apostle Paul wrote 2 Corinthians along with other books in the New Testament. But why does it matter that the Apostle Paul wrote it? It matters because he was somebody that faced horrible, horrible suffering. He's somebody that faced pain and grief to the very church he's writing to. The church that he's writing to had, had given him so much grief that he had to write to him three times, and we have two of those in our Bible, and he's like, look, if I could come see you, I would, because he was going to beat him down. But he tells about some of his suffering in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. It's eleven twenty four through 28. Listen to what the guy that is writing to us, telling us that our suffering is only for a moment. Listen to what he says in chapter 11, 24 through 28. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes Less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and that means stoned with rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea. So for a full night and a full day, he is floating out to sea, not knowing if he's going to see land again. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, danger from my own people. Let me just say before I keep going, some of you this morning, the toughest struggle that you have is with your own family. And your family is that group of people that just seems to bother you and cause you suffering. Maybe it's because of you following Christ. Maybe it's something totally different, but it's even more difficult when the people that you struggle with are the people that are your own. Paul says, I was in danger through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. In chapter 12, he keeps going, and he writes about a thorn in his flesh. 
And there's some debate as to what it is, but most scholars believe it was bad eyesight. But his bad eyesight could have been caused from numerous other diseases that he had. So he's not writing from some posh house in the suburbs of Rome with a gated fence and guards all around him and plenty to eat. This man is a war-torn veteran of the gospel saying, your suffering is only for a moment. That's why it matters who wrote this letter. Because as far as physical suffering, as far as emotional suffering, he talks about he's probably suffered more than any of us, and that's not to elevate him, but he's saying in the midst of all that, your suffering is only for a moment. He says your suffering, this suffering he mentions, is of the outer self. In other words, your physical body. Newsflash for us, our physical body's decaying. How many of y'all in here have experienced that? Maybe it's through playing sports. You're like, look, I can't do what I used to could do. And I'm, I'm only tw- almost 27 and can already say, like, I don't feel the same way I did at 21. And some of y'all are like, yeah, just wait. <laughs> but our outer body is wasting away. And this may seem morbid. This may be like, look, man, why are you coming here this morning telling me I'm dying? No, it's actually to show us that our body right now will not last forever. Therefore, whatever suffering you are going through only lasts for a moment. Paul says our suffering is light. That's talking about scales, light and momentary affliction. This points to the nature of our life. The apostle James wrote this in James 4.14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist, a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes. In light of eternity, things seen are only momentary. Your suffering today is only momentary. Paul says that the things that we see are transient, meaning they're temporary. What are those things? Everything we see around us. Everything we can see with our physical eyes is only momentary. We could list countless things that only last you know, until the world ends, but I'll list three because we seem to put our trust in these three, money, houses, and government. They're only momentary. It, it, it sometimes, it used to bother me, now it kind of makes me laugh when so many believers, so many Christians get down over watching the news and seeing what's going on wrong in the world, and you're like, look, I just can't believe our world's going this way. Well, you should. The Bible said it was going to. The thing is, if you're a believer, you have something to hope for that the rest of the world does not. Therefore, things of today are only light and momentary. We see that our suffering is only short, is only short in comparison to the eternal life promised to those in Christ. Suffering is only momentary. But here's what it says. It says our suffering is not just happening. If you look in your Bible, it says it is preparing us. It is preparing us for eternal glory. Now, when I first read that, probably like you, what what exactly does that mean? That our affliction is preparing us for eternal glory. Let me explain it this way. How many of you go on a family vacation? Yeah, you can raise your hand. It's okay. I do too. All right. Um, You go on a family vacation. Now, let's, let's say you go on one every single year. There could be two ways you approach this vacation. We'll look at the approach one. Your year at your job is awesome. Like you go into work and you don't even call it a job. You don't even call it work. You go in and they're almost like your family. When you go in there, you absolutely love what you do. Your coworkers are great. You even got a pay raise this year. Your boss is always telling you how awesome you are, you know, inflating your ego. And like all this stuff is just going on and you just feel wonderful. Now, do you still want to go on that vacation come July? Of course. Who who doesn't want to pass up going somewhere somewhere? 
away from even your job, even if you love it. But the difference is that you're not looking at that vacation and saying, man, I can't wait until that happens because what I'm going through now is terrible. No, what you're going through now is so good that the vacation is just like, just like a, a cherry on top of the ice cream. It's like, you know what, this is just going to be great. But let's look at approach two. Let's say that your job this year was terrible. You got a, you got a, a pay cut. You got demoted. Your boss overlooks every single good thing that you do, but seems to always notice the bad things that you do. Your coworkers cannot stand you. You get talked about behind your back, and sometimes you even hear what they say. Some of you are even in that moment. Do you want to go on that vacation? Yeah. Do you want another job? Yes. But what is driving, what is keeping you in what you're, in your job that you're in right now is looking for that time that you're going to get away. The causing, the driving force for you to stay doing what you're doing is looking forward to something that will be better. It's exactly what the Bible says when Paul talks about this, is to look at your present situation in light of the better day to come. You don't look at your present situation just saying, man, this will never end. You look at it, if you're a follower of Christ and he lives inside of you, his Holy Spirit lives inside of you, you look at what you're going through now and saying, you know what, I'm going to focus my mind on what is to come, which will be better, which will get me through today. Paul says suffering prepares you because it drives you to the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. In a world full of anxiety and weeping and death and sorrow, the one thing that we are driven back to is the fact that Jesus conquered death. The fact that he conquered the one thing that we could not conquer, which was our own death. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, I'm going to paraphrase him, suffering energizes spiritual growth. Focusing your mind on the better day to come is what will get you through today. I took some psychology classes when I was in college, and there was a stat that I remember. If you, um, people in a hospital that had any kind of religious belief, they, they stayed in the hospital on average four days less than anybody else. Now, why is that? It's simply because they had hope. So if even a false religion can give you hope to keep you out of the hospital on average of four days less, what more can the one true God do for you when you're going through the worst thing you could go through? The problem is that often we can lose sight. We can lose sight of what we have to look forward to because of what's going on today. Paul says that we are being renewed day by day by day. In other words, your soul needs to be nourished. Your soul needs to be nourished. God is not trying to give you a better life now. God is trying to make you a more godly you. So let me ask you this question. Are you being renewed and nourished daily? Are you spending time in God's word, allowing his word to sink down inside of you, like Colossians 3.16 says, to where that God begins to mold you and shape you and use your present circumstances to make you into someone like his image? Are you allowing times each day for God's word to soak inside of you? Are you reading devotional books 
Are you listening to music that will nourish your soul? Our second truth this morning is God's promises are eternal. God's promises are eternal. Our outer body is decaying. We already know this because of sickness, because of anxiety. And although your suffering and your affliction may be intense, the promise of God is to give us hope for tomorrow and a resurrected body, which is something that no other religion can do. Let me just speak to this for a minute. There are countless other ideas out there and religions, and some of you maybe have even dabbled in those. Maybe some of you are sitting in here this morning, and you're like, look, I don't really know if I buy all this kind of Jesus stuff. Well, the fact of the matter is that the, what we believe in as Christians, the reason we believe in it is because that our God is still not laying there in a grave with his bones decaying. He's actually living. Yeah, you know, you could follow the eightfold path of Buddha. You can, you can, you know, believe that, hey, maybe, maybe there's no truth and that just believe whatever you want, even though when you tell us that, you're actually saying there's a truth. You can follow all these kinds of things. The fact of the matter is all those lead to an end because whoever started those is dead, but the person that started our religion is not dead, he's alive. Paul uses comparison language when he talks about this. He says our momentary affliction versus our eternal promise of glory. Momentary versus eternal. He says our suffering is light versus the weight of the glory that we will have. What you're going through now is not only momentary, it is light in comparison to the eternal weight of glory. Notice eternal and weight of glory that we have when we see Jesus. John MacArthur says this, Life's trials, troubles, and difficulties serve only to build inner strength because they drive believers to humbly, prayerfully, hopefully depend on God. We've got to be motivated through our suffering by knowing that since our soul lasts forever and our bodies don't, our soul is what needs to be nourished. And therefore, if we have our eyes focused on what's to come, the life to come, and our souls are being nourished daily, this affliction today does not seem as bad. I knew whenever I was struggling with what went on back three years ago that God was working. I knew that when I heard that news, I, I, was, I, was, I was worried, obviously, and for two days I just wept. For two days I was so so, so worried because I thought, I thought my life was, was over. Even if I would have lived a long time, I thought, well, you know what, my life's essentially over because if I have one of those, he named three or four other things, if I have one of these things, then my life changes then. But as God began to, to move in my heart, and this is only something that I can say by experience, God began to move in my heart to show me, Adrian, You've trusted in yourself your entire life. Up until your first 24 years, you've trusted in yourself. You've always had enough money to eat. You've always had enough gas in the car to go somewhere. You've never had to rely on me. And I begin to see that if God, if God has my, has my situation in his hands, why would I want it to be in mine? If Jesus could go and hang on a cross, but then not just stay dead, but overcome our greatest fear, which is death. Can he not overcome my greatest problem now? This leads us to our final truth this morning. 
Paul's first words of our text. In the ESV, it reads, do not lose heart. But we say, don't be discouraged. We often get discouraged because we can only see with our own eyes the, the, the outcome. And typically, if you're like what I was three years ago and prior, then you always see the worst possible outcome. You know, you get like, a, you get like your head's itching and all of a sudden you think like you have something wrong with your heart or something. You know, you're just like, what's going on? Paul says, don't be discouraged. In other words, to stay encouraged, the opposite of discouraged, to stay encouraged, we've got to focus our mind on eternal things, which are Christ and his promise of heaven. Focus our mind on Christ and his promise of heaven and our soul, since it lasts forever, and the souls of others. So this gives prominence to evangelism and discipleship. If we're focusing on things that last forever, does that not mean we need to focus? Maybe God's placed somebody in our life that we need to share the gospel with because that person's soul is going to last forever too. Or maybe there's somebody that God has placed in our life that we need to disciple or somebody that we need to sit under their teaching or there's somebody that we need to walk through life together So that when something does happen that's tough, we have somebody to lean on physically. When we began to focus on eternal things, bad news won't rock us like it once did. When my first reports um, came back negative, thankfully, we were in New York. Some of y'all remember we were doing some filming for kids camp whenever we did the Big Apple theme and Josh and Dave and I on a whim just decided to go to New York to film some stuff. So we're up there and I get a call. We walked out of the subway and the nurse, she called and said, all right, Adrian, uh, just call me back. I was like, why couldn't you at least say something on the voicemail, you know? Um, So I didn't want to call her walking through the city because I thought if it's bad, I don't want to break down, you know, in the middle of New York and look like a fool. But I finally call her back and she says, you know, um, everything about those came back okay. But now the problem is, is that your, your liver enzymes have shot three times higher. And I, and I don't really know these number stuff. If you're medical people in here, you do. But I know that normal is of whatever they are, ALT or AST or something, is between like 9 and 60. And they start to monitor you, I think, at like 100. And mine were at 750. And I'm just like, what is going on? But the thing is that God over the last two weeks had already done such a work in my heart to show me that I need to rely on him and not my current situation that when they told me that it did not, it's not because I'm a good person, it's not because I'm some kind of special person, but because what God had done in my heart, it did not rock me. Simply because God had already been building my faith. So I want to take you, if you have your Bible out, turn to Philippians 4. And if you don't know where Philippians is, turn somewhere and fake it. Just turn to Philippians 4. <laughs> Philippians 4, 4 through 7. This is the passage that, that I go to on a frequent basis. The parents of youth sitting in here, I've taught on this before, and I have this goofy equation that I throw out, and I probably will in a little bit. But I want us to look at this. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Paul, the same apostle, is writing this, but he's writing it to a different church, but he's also in a different circumstance. When he writes Philippians, 
he is actually chained in prison in Rome waiting his sentence. So Paul is writing the book of Philippians knowing that his head's about to be cut off in a few days or a few weeks and he still, through the power of the Holy Spirit, pens these words. It's Philippians 4, 4 through 7. I'm going to not really read it but call out the different things that are important in this passage. Paul says, Rejoice always. Let your Christian character or Christian morality be made known to everyone. The Lord is near. Some of you just need to hear that this morning. The Lord is near. Not only is it, will he come back at some point, but the Lord is near to you if you know Christ. Be anxious about nothing. But instead, go to God in prayer with a thankful heart. And notice the first word in verse 7. Does it say maybe? Does it say possibly? It does not say And if you're good enough, it says, and the peace of God, which is unexplainable, which surpasses our ability to understand. It says the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ. Paul is chained in prison. And he can write the words rejoice in everything. Rejoice in everything. Do not be anxious about anything. So that leads me to, to, to what I thought. How can you not be anxious? When you hear news like what I've heard or when you heard news maybe in whatever situation that you've gone through, how can I not be anxious in those things? He gives us the formula. He says, when you're anxious about these things, what does it say to do? Pray. He simply says, talk to God. When you are anxious, pray. And what does it say? It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses your ability, which surpasses my ability to understand, will guard you. This is not just a thought. This is not just an assumption that Paul has. This is the truth. So that when you're going through some kind of suffering and you are worried, you are concerned, and you are bothered, and you want to pray but you're afraid to, and maybe, you, maybe the enemy is lying to you saying, God doesn't care about your problem. God, God can't handle your problem. Your problem, God was done with you when you did that thing that you did. When he is telling you that, you've got to understand that that is a lie. And if Jesus would come to this earth and die for your problems, will he not keep you in them now? What does it say when you are going through this? It says your hopelessness will turn to peace. Peace that we can't explain. Peace that we don't know. Though our suffering lasts for a moment and we focus our eyes on the promises of God, we're not discouraged. But even though we're not discouraged because we look forward to what's to come, we can make it through today because it says when you are facing anxiety or suffering or struggle, you pray and you take those things to God. And it doesn't mean it's cured. It doesn't mean that worry won't flare back up. But when you know that what you're struggling with is in God's hands, you know that it's in better hands than what you could do with it. So what are we to do because of this? When we suffer, when we're worried, when we struggle, simply pray. In our world, and if you're like me, my first, my first thought process is never to slow down, but 
in any situation, my thought process is, okay, what can, I go, what can I do? What can I go achieve right now? But when we're facing something that we can't deal with, what, what, is this, what does Paul tell us to do? He says to pray. Slow down and talk to God. Make sure your soul is being nourished daily. Paul is clear to say in our original passage, 2 Corinthians 4, that you're renewed day by day. Make sure that you're allowing times for God to nourish your soul daily. Maybe that's a Bible reading plan that you can download on your phone. Maybe that's just opening up the Bible and just saying, you know what, I'm going to choose the Gospel of Mark, and I'm just going to read through this until I'm done, and when I'm done with that, I'll choose something else. Letting God's Word dwell within you richly. What else are we not to do? Don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged because although our outer body is wasting away, we have a promise of something so much more, as we've already heard this morning, where there'll be no more crying, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more heartache, there'll be nothing else that we have to worry about. There will be no more need. And if you need to know where that's from, that's Revelation 21. Whenever you're going through something tough, Revelation 21.4 is a great passage to go to because it shows us the promises of what we have to look forward to. But then some of you this morning... Some of you don't have anything to look forward to. You simply walked in here, and whatever struggle you're facing now, or whatever struggle you will face, because you're not a follower of Christ, this is the best thing you have to look forward to. Your, your best life is on a day where you hear good news, and that good news only lasts for a short period of time, because you don't have anything to hope for. The Bible tells us that Jesus came and lived the life that we could not live. He was perfect. And we who are believers are like, yeah, you know, we kind of know this, but this is something we have to remind ourselves of. He was perfect. He lived a perfect life and died on a cross in place of us. He was our substitute because the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is that Jesus died on a cross, and he didn't stay there. He, He lived in a tomb, and three days later he came back. And because he's alive now, it gives us hope for tomorrow. And because when he went to a cross, he suffered the anxiety, the pain, the guilt, the shame, the worry that you face now. And the only way that you can overcome any of those things is to put your hope, to put your trust, to put your faith in Jesus. Because he went to a cross and died and he overcame death. And if he could do that, can he not handle any of the situations that we struggle with? So as we close this morning, there, there, there are some things that we, we worry about. As we already sang that, that, that song um, a second time, some of you this morning need to, to, to spend some time talking to God and taking those things that you fear taking those things that you struggle with and saying, you know what, God, they are yours this morning. I'm tired of my worry. I'm tired of suffering. I am tired of suffering the fear that, that comes with suffering. Just because you pray doesn't mean that your suffering ends. But when God's peace begins to change you and God's peace begins to rest in your heart and in your mind, you have a hope that can get you through your suffering. Some of you just need to take those things to God this morning. 